welcome to the Hobby Tassel podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Candice. This is the podcast for creatives run by two fellow business owners who discuss the ups and downs of creative entrepreneurship. From dealing with imposter syndrome to celebrating new business milestones, we're here to talk about all of them with you. Hi everyone, welcome to episode two of the Hobby Tassel podcast. My name is Gemma and I am with Candice today. We are talking about a very fun topic (laughs) and that is dealing with all the negative things in business. Maybe not all the negative things, but some of the negative things. So today we're talking about imposter syndrome, jealousy, dealing with unsolicited advice, um, dealing with setback when your business may not take off in the way you anticipated. So all of those fun things. (laughs) Um, So... I think the first thing we should start with is talking about confidence because that's going to be your first kind of negative emotion that you're likely to experience as a small business owner. It stops a lot of people from getting started. I know that imposter syndrome stopped me from um, teaching my art for probably about a year maybe. I'd wanted to teach for quite some time and I let my imposter syndrome get in the way. Candice, <laughs> have you dealt with imposter syndrome? I'm sure you probably have, but tell me about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I never really knew. I've heard of imposter syndrome, but like, you know, when you do all the things of a of a term, but then you never learn about it. And then later on, people are like, oh, that's imposter syndrome. That was me. 100%. Like when you first start out a business, you're clearly looking at like the other businesses that are successful. And since when I first started, it was calligraphy. I was like, uh, yeah, no, my calligraphy is not up to par. So I don't think I should be teaching it. Maybe I can do it for weddings. And I'm like, oh, then my, my calligraphy is not beautiful enough for a wedding. It's, it's like such a, you know, it's a really big day and I don't want to ruin it. So I never... You thought you were going to ruin it with your calligraphy? I genuinely thought I was going to ruin it. And the thing is, I there was a major confidence setback for me. Because before I started running my own calligraphy thing, I, uh, I applied for a local decor place just to do wedding decor, just so I can get myself familiar with the things. Um, but they saw on social media that I did calligraphy, but I do like name cards, like small, what like paper goods, not yeah, big signage things. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so they were like, "Oh, we really like it because our calligrapher is away, um, and she does the signage." And in my head, I'm like, "I don't do signage though." Mm-hmm. Um, but they asked me to do some signage, and I said, "Yeah, I will. I will give it like my hundred and ten percent." And then someone didn't like it. Like a bride oh, didn't no. like it, and I, and obviously I got let go because of it. I was just like, "This is, yep, this is exactly why." Oh no! I can't do calligraphy. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that happened, and then it just shot me like all the way down to the bottom of the totem pole in terms of confidence. <laughs> oh no! I'm not surprised. Oh, that's really tough. Because um, you're first starting out, right? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. So how how did you overcome imposter syndrome? Because you still did calligraphy after that, right? I think I I definitely told myself, well, I told them I'm not good at it. And I've never done it. 
but they still expected me to do it and since i have zero practice on it like if you were to message me on instagram and go like oh i saw your calligraphy i find it beautiful can you do this artwork for our like a mural i'll be like i would say no yeah because i clearly don't yeah do that i i've actually had someone reach out to me and ask me to do a wall mural (laughs) and the most i've done is like a small uh chalkboard for a cafe a mural is not in my realm at all so I I think there's a difference between knowing what you're actually capable of and then imposter syndrome feeling like you're not good enough it's kind of a hard balance I think a lot of people know if something is completely out of their limits at that time because I think you do have to go through stages of practicing and learning new skills to be able to do something but sometimes jumping in is a good way to <laughs> to get familiar with how to do something. Yeah, I there's also, yes, exactly that. Because there's also people going like, oh, I don't have any expertise in that field, but I got to start somewhere. Personally, if that po- project is like relatively big and I've seriously never, you know, even been close to that territory before, I wouldn't do it. Because regardless of the results I feel like it's not going to be my best work anyways and if someone's paying me to do it and they get upset about it I wouldn't think that of oh I'm not in my expertise I would yeah definitely go like oh my artwork is not good and they don't like it yeah and then completely forget the fact that I like have zero experience in what they just asked me to do and I think that also goes down to jealousy eventually mm-hmm. because then you're also looking at other people's artwork as well and trying to learn from them because that's what I did I was I was looking at other people's artwork when I got assigned to do the uh, wedding I sign I see okay yeah and then so after I got like let go essentially I was like I was I don't remember which account it was but I saw how she effortlessly made a a door-sized wedding seating chart and when i say effortlessly i mean like she was writing so fast but her writing was so beautiful and it was not fast forwarded uh (laughs) was it definitely not fast forwarded because yeah because she shows videos of her writing her real speed and how sometimes that does you know backfire on her because if she's using a nib it will do that like you know when the nib catches on paper and it flicks yeah yeah sometimes that'll happen to her that's why Mm -hmm. she prefers writing up mirrors okay um and so i was like oh my god how come this person can do it how does she get there and then you just go down that rabbit hole of i'm not good enough but i also find it interesting you say she did it effortlessly because actually that's that's not like her natural talent that she's been given since birth yeah, I know, right? <laughs> there's lots of work that's gone into it um and we'll i think we'll come back to jealousy in a minute because i want to um go over imposter syndrome a bit more before we move on because this is something i've struggled with a lot particularly when i was thinking about first starting my workshop because i thought that only professionals could teach calligraphy But then I realized that professionals, in my mind, were people that were teaching calligraphy. 
which makes no sense. <laughs> how how did they get to teach calligraphy? I haven't summed it up well there, but you see what I mean, that I thought you could only teach if you taught calligraphy, which makes no sense. And I kind of had this moment where I'm like, that is such a dumb concept that I've made up in my mind to feel that I can't be a professional because I've not taught calligraphy before. What, why am I stopping myself from starting? And I realized it's this concept of imposter syndrome. So I thought, right, I'm just gonna book a date in the diary to teach a workshop and work everything else out later. And I've done this a lot in my business. <laughs> and then I felt imposter syndrome about contacting venues. I thought they would reject me to say, who do you think you are contacting us? Like you're clearly not a recognizable business. Why would you eat? How dare you? <laughs> Which is so irrational. It's not a rational thought to have, but that's imposter syndrome. Like these negative thoughts creep up on you. And I remember the morning of the workshop, just like this pit in my stomach that everything was gonna go wrong. You know, I would have spent months prepping for it. I get there and then people realize I have no idea what I'm doing and they demand refunds and they complain and they leave zero star reviews on Facebook if that's possible. And none of that happened, it went really well. <laughs> but imposter syndrome really is hard to deal with when it comes up and it stops you from getting started in the first place. Yeah, and it's really tough. And imposter syndrome, I think, reduces with practice. So now when I teach workshops, I still get a little bit jittery beforehand, but I know that I know what I'm doing and that will be fine. But when I start on new projects that are now out of my comfort zone, that's when imposter syndrome kicks back in. So I don't think you know, you become a professional and then imposter syndrome goes away forever. <laughs> it's something that comes up again and again when you work on stuff that's slightly out of your comfort zone. But when I, I actually started a new project recently and I thought no one is gonna buy this offer. No one's gonna buy it. Clearly they won't think I have enough experience to do this thing. And I'm like, wait, hold on. I had that before, before teaching calligraphy. So I kind of recognized early on that actually it's imposter syndrome and it's me stopping myself, not other people telling me I'm not good enough. Yeah, like you are teaching other people and those other people typically have little to no experience in terms of calligraphy. But oftentimes because imposter syndrome is more of an internal thing, we forget that and I think it's also important for us to remind ourselves that anything that we do that is new is a new experience and so therefore it's normal for us. I mean, I don't think we'll ever be able to stop the imposter syndrome. You're correct on that um, yeah. because it would just grasp at you and not let you go every time you do something new and then you expect yourself to do um, worse which then affects your work for some people and doing the courses, like making a course and then selling your course and then feeling like, oh, no one's gonna get this because people are gonna not even know who I am. Maybe I don't have enough followers and oh, who am I to think I need to do or that I can do all these things with so little followers. And then there's that issue. Yeah. And so imposter syndrome is everywhere when you first start out a business and 
and actually no anywhere with anything but like i feel like it's definitely much more evident or that you encounter it more when you start off a new business especially when it's art related i feel like it's anytime it's art related because it's solely coming out from your thoughts and your hands and your feelings a lot of the time yeah Yeah. it's just like art is whatever you want to display in whatever you know means but like it's so personal and there's so many creatives and artists content creators etc out there that it's impossible for you to tell yourself that you know i am a professional in this field uh, because i still won't say i'm a professional in this field I feel like I if do. i say that <laughs> but i, I have a big ego <laughs> I think by calling yourself what you want to be, it makes you more confident. So I actually call myself a calligrapher, a professional calligrapher, because that's what I want to be. (laughs) And I think by saying, oh, I I do some calligraphy, it kind of undermines yourself. That is true. Like you're you're putting a label on yourself that is below what you want to be. So why not? put the label you want to be on yourself if that makes sense it's like that fake it till you make it thing (laughs) (laughs) i think i have that with um the whole business owner status thing Mm. that actually might be my biggest imposter syndrome now that you say it if i meet someone new i don't want them to ask me what i do Mm. because if i tell them oh i I have my own business for whatever reason i think they're gonna be like Mm, that's not really a business that's just you doing a side thing and you're calling it a business i don't have a physical store some people might see e-commerce as not a full business until like you're really well known so i'm just like i don't want anyone asking me what i do i typically just say oh i draw (laughs) i'm not even kidding i just tell people i draw and that i create stationery i don't tell them i'm a business owner i it makes me super uncomfortable it's funny, it's funny you say that, because I'm like, no, you are a business owner. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I wouldn't label myself as an artist. I would call myself a calligrapher, but I don't feel like an artist, which is something I've put on myself. Like, that's my mm-hmm. imposter syndrome that comes through. Yeah, and so, wow, I never really noticed that about myself. I know I have, like, imposter syndrome when it comes to running the business, mm. but I never really thought about how... I actively hope that people don't ask me what I do. I'm not even joking. If I'm meeting someone new, I'm just like, let's just talk about them and not talk about me at all because I don't want this conversation to pop up since... Although I feel like you don't want conversations, period, like as an (laughs) introvert. I can't imagine you going to many events where you'd have to tell people about yourself. That is true. That is true. (laughs) It's only events where, I guess, work events... Mm. Not for my work, but if I'm, like, going with William to his Uh, work events or anything like that. And they go, like, oh, um, William would be, like, oh, this is my wife, Candice. And, like, oh, you know, like, that typical, what do you do? And you're just, like, "Mm mm-mm. Some people really like to tell people what they do. For me, I'm at that. I don't want them to tell them. I don't want to tell them I have a business. It's going to make me so uncomfortable because I'm going to have to talk about Mm. what I do and and. I'm gonna if they look me up they're gonna be like this person's a fake like (laughs) oh no oh I'm still I I think I don't I genuinely don't think I can get over that 
Mm. Until I tell more people that I am a business owner, though. Yeah. That would mean I have to go out more, though. You don't You don't have to go out. I mean, we've started this podcast. Hopefully, if thing, things go well, like people will listen to it. <laughs> and then, you know, you can talk about your experiences as a business owner. And I think that makes you qualified to call yourself a business owner. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely harder in this for like, sorry, let me rephrase that. I feel like it's really hard because both of our businesses are heavily saturated. If you were a really narrow, special niche company, Imagine being a business that no one's really heard of before, but like the idea of, and then you can't compare that to anyone else. And you know, other people can't compare it to anyone else. I feel like you will have different struggles in terms of, well, I don't know what it is because I've never had a business like that, but that would be different compared to like, oh, you run a business. So like this other person that is like super well-known that you probably already know. And you're just like, yep, yep. That's exactly what I do. I'm trying to be them. (laughs) So I think this is where your personality can come through in your business and that's what differentiates you. I am not the world's best calligrapher by far. I'm very happy with my calligraphy style. I think I do have my own style now. In fact, I taught a course about finding your own style, so I'd like to think I have my own. But I like to think that it's my personality that people connect with and me being kind of honest about my journey as a calligrapher and my ups and downs with learning calligraphy itself. So yeah, I think all calligraphy or a lot of calligraphy can look the same, but you have to show the face behind the business. And that can be scary putting yourself out there. But I think that's a topic for another day maybe. So let's move on to an even funner topic, jealousy. And I'm going to start by talking about a bugbear of mine, something that's kind of annoyed me in the past. Um, not how successful other people are, that's, <laughs> that's something else. But actually, I've seen someone talk about how they're frustrated that they'd been doing this for a while and they hadn't taken off yet. And other people were really rude to them. They said, you know, you're never going to get anywhere if you just keep comparing yourself to others. And I think, I thought, well, actually, it's, you can't not compare yourself to others. That's all you see on social media. So I think that's my, that was a big bugbear of mine. I've seen it one time where people just jumped on this person and said that they felt like they were having a hard time and they're like, no, just be positive. <laughs> ignore those negative feelings and just keep going (laughs) um and that kind of bugged me because negative feelings happen in business unless you're really really optimistic I would mm, I wouldn't say I'm the most optimistic person like I do let feelings and negativity creep in and one of those is jealousy and I, I know that you compare yourself a lot as well Candice so for me Obviously, I've experienced a bit of jealousy in regards to how nice other people's art looks. But the biggest area of jealousy that came in for me is when I started my business, 
and the accounts that I looked up to the most and whose content I used to absorb the most, I started getting really jealous. I noticed anytime I come across their content, I started to get these really kind of bitter, negative feelings. And I thought, this is not good. <laughs> I do not want to be running my business in a state of feeling jealous and feeling like I'm not good enough. So that's something I have dealt with personally personally is jealousy and something that I found really helpful is actually unfollowing people that you admire if you find that those feelings of jealousy and negativity are coming out um how about you Candice I well I know from speaking to you that you have experienced some jealousy um did you want to talk about that yeah it's uh it's bad it's so bad. You already know. Like, I even have William actively making sure that my screen is not, you know, doing some... Comparing. Oh, yeah. It's... it. Yeah. It's bad. And I'm... You know that it's been an issue of mine since, like, the very beginning. To the point where you're like, Hannah, you're not even comparing yourself to a small business anymore. That's, like, a whole empire that you're comparing yourself to. Um... No, like seeing them on social media and I remember there was this, I'm not going to put any names, obviously. I remember the person that I really looked up to, they mentioned how they achieved something really big and they were saying how like, oh, it's really nice that you guys, you know, notice all of this. And even though if I don't put that much content up regularly and blah, blah, blah. And that just made me kind of go like, so you're telling me that she got all this stuff because of inconsistent content but what like I, <laughs> yeah. I remember getting so <laughs> mad at at just like myself and the situation and and, and yeah. I was just like this is how is this possible that this person is saying that they're posting inconsistently and still getting a lot of followers and all this stuff is happening and I'm just like I'm about to lose my mind because I'm here trying so hard and I'm not at her level or whatever and it's just this is bad so I had to unfollow them and kind of go well I mean you told me to unfollow them and it took me a lot of some some part of me was like I don't want to I want to see what they keep um <laughs> but that was bad it was not good for my mental at all it you are right, because then I ended up comparing myself to a very well-established business that has expanded tenfold. That's like comparing a little chick to, like, full-blown ostrich or something. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, <sighs> definitely. I don't I don't see why they're having issues with, like, height or anything like that. Not only seeing their artwork, but Instagram content is well-planned out, at least in my perspective. Like, I'm like, oh, look, it has a theme. It's so nice. I can see why people follow them all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, because it's so consistent. Whereas I'm just posting whatever I want. Um, That's not working out. Maybe I should do it that way. And it doesn't work out for me. And then I get bitter about it. And I'm just, mm. it's non-stop social media jealousy. Oh, there's also the the whole how you feel left out without even participating. Um, And what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I relate. I'll, I'll maybe get on to my point in a minute. I'll let you it's, continue. It's the, it's the seeing other people that are you know doing one thing and you're not 
participating in it but then you see like multiple accounts participating in the event for example like expo and stuff like that um so that's that's something i was gonna say yeah. is seeing groups of people participate in stuff and i want to be part of the club yeah. <laughs> can they just like magically find my account and invite me without me having to do work right? to be recognized right and you're just like i want to do i want to i want to be part of it but i don't want to like mention it because i'm i'm so shy or whatever and i'm just like this is yeah really dumb of me to think but it's still there but something i also realize is that the group of people that I look up to are kind of like OG creatives in my mind. Like they've been around for a while. But, you know, I've, I have loads of creative friends that I really like <laughs> and get on with. Why am I striving to be part of a group? It's like thinking back to secondary school or high school. I don't know, maybe you were popular, Candice. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you... You know, you kind of want to be recognized as someone with more social status in school. But yeah, so I guess it takes us back to school (laughs) and wanting to be part of the cool kids club. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I find that funny that you brought that up. It's hard for introverts to want to network as well. Um, And then... To not network means we miss out on some opportunities, but to network means we're kind of in our uncomfortable zone. But if we don't network and we see the events that occur around us and we see people, you know, doing new things together, it just makes you kind of feel like, "Mm, I kind of want to participate in that, but I'm also very shy. But if I don't go, I feel left out for me at least, you become jealous of their personality. Yeah. That's me. I do understand that as well. I think it's not something that's actually talked about a lot. (laughs) I think it's hard to admit that you're, you feel really jealous of people at times, but I think it's probably something a lot of people do feel. And I remember watching an interview with someone I admire who said that she feels jealous of other people like she'll see that someone got a job that she felt that she could do and she'd be like oh I'm sad I didn't get that job and actually it isn't just a small timers it's big fish as well that can experience that so I think on this jealousy front as well it's not just about being invited to things it's about yeah the business itself which you've touched upon slightly and I think a big way to sometimes overcome this is to befriend people. So an example I have is, I don't want to get too specific, but they launched something at the same time as me and then they sold out within a week and I had crickets, which led to imposter syndrome big time. And also jealousy, like it did make me feel jealous. I thought, what have I done differently? I've worked really hard and nothing's happened. And then I realized there was a context for the reason that they booked that thing out so quickly. And I was like, oh, okay. And I only learned that because I went out of my way to make friends with them previously. And then they felt bad that I felt bad. So I don't think, you know, people... publish stuff with the intention to make people 
nervous or jealous, that's not the intention. The intention is often to sell more things. <laughs> so yeah, that's tricky. That's like the whole, um, at least in the stationary business, I've seen a lot where people post, you know, pack an order with me and it's like a massive order. And as the business owner, you're extremely happy that you got that massive order, but you also may want to show that you got a bigger order. That might not be your regular order. Like for example, someone might order like a big sticker haul with washi tapes and stuff like that. And it's like over a hundred dollars, but that's not your, I mean, that could be, but that might not be your everyday order. And for smaller businesses to see that or other artists, it's, they go like, wow, that person constantly gets a lot of orders. That's crazy. Like I, I'm not there and with their following and their products, I don't even know if I'll ever get there. But behind closed doors, that might be like a once in a month kind of order. But since it's, yeah, you know, something that you see on social media, it may not be posted by the same person, but you constantly see other people like packing bigger orders and preparing or like another thing would be, let's say that they have, at least on Etsy, I noticed this, that you can choose your dispatch time. Something that I've learned was seeing how other people had stacks of orders that they were ready to ship out. And I'm just like, I don't even get that many in like a couple of days. And this person has that in one day. That's crazy. And stuff like that. But I then realized that their dispatch time might be like a week of preparation. I'm not trying to decredit them or anything like that. But I'm just saying. Yeah as a small business there's context, there's context that you don't get exactly yeah like, it might have taken that stash of orders that they got might have accumulated over a couple of weeks mm. or maybe they had a high that's a good point yeah. see i wouldn't have thought of that because i don't really send out products so that's interesting to hear from my perspective yeah because i remember there's one point where i was working slow i don't remember why i think it's because i was sick or something and that had to change my dispatch time to five to seven business days at the end of my seventh business days when I was working on two weeks worth of stuff I was like this is a big bag of orders that I'm sending out and I was thinking to myself I could take a picture of this and post it on social media and go like sending out my orders but there's zero context of how long it took for me to accumulate all the orders and I don't want to not false advertise Cause that's not what the, what you're doing. You're just sending, you're just taking pictures of what you order, but I don't want to discourage others, nor do I want to decredit any other one, any, anyone else. Cause that could be someone's regular order day or something like that, but that's not for me. Yeah. And I don't want to show that I get that many orders in quote unquote one day because that's, that's just not who I am. That's why I choose to not really post people's orders online. I rarely do a pack with me video and stuff like that. If it is, it's just packing like my standard order on average, like two or three items. So Candice, <laughs> I was gonna say, what is your solution to jealousy? I don't know if 
either of us have fully worked out how to stop being jealous because I think it's just a natural part of running a business somewhat but for business owners that are just starting out kind of in the earliest stages what advice would you give to them in regards to jealousy this is actually something um my therapist and I talked about before and it's not just jealousy it's like the negative feelings so something that I've been doing is just acknowledging it um and not and not sit in it so what I mean by that is if I see something that I'm really jealous of for example um, right now I'm in getting into the pin industry and I know that enamel pins some are successful some are not and there are businesses that like their pins fly off the shelves and I was jealous of that but lately I've just been telling myself okay you know this is jealousy creeping up on me now but I gotta get these pins done regardless so I kind of don't have time for that let's just acknowledge that feeling sit in it for a couple of minutes just go like yeah I'm uncomfortable and then go like no I need to continue working now like I need to if I just sit here and be sad I'm not going to get this done and I'm going to be you know disappointing people who do follow my stuff and do want to see my stuff see for me I would say my biggest bit of advice is to unfollow because realistically you're not going to keep off social media I say that to myself every couple of months I'm like right that's it I'm uninstalling them (laughs) and I might for a day or two and that just doesn't work. So I think definitely unfollow people if you can. Oh, and something else I was told about, I can't remember who told me this, but I appreciate the tip, is that you can actually stop seeing people's posts on Instagram without unfollowing them. So look into that. If it's... Restricting it. If it's like, yeah. Restricting the account. I don't know if... is restricting the it's account? either restricting you can restrict and you can mute so you'll still follow mute. them i think that was yeah. it mute so that is a great way if you have kind of someone you've connected with on instagram you kind of talk to a bit but those feelings of jealousy come up but it would be awkward if you unfollow them like that's the type of people that it's just better to mute them rather than unfollow them and and sorry, I want to clarify sorry, go on. what we're talking about mm-hmm. in regards to not fo- not unfollowing or like if you want to unfollow them, you can. If you want to mute them, you can. This yeah. is not this is not you not supporting the business. You can fully mm-hmm. support that business from miles away. Unfollowing them on social media does not mean you don't support them. It just means you are. Yeah doing something for your own mental health and that's something you should never be ashamed of that's that's something that me and Gemma want you guys to fully understand that you can support a business but if it's doing like for, if their artwork or their business growth is stopping you from continuing your business don't feel ashamed to just unfollow them for the time being while you work on your own growth yeah that's a great point because i do really appreciate what these people have contributed to my life because they've actually been a big part in my own growth it's just temporary whilst i work on myself and my business because i know that following people 
that make me jealous is not good for me or my business. And actually I need to approach things in my own way and not let how other people have done stuff to guide me in what I do. I need my business to come from me, not from predecessors. Let's move on to perhaps one of my most touchy subjects (laughs) in regards to business and that is unsolicited advice. (sighs) I imagine several people have followed this. Followed this? It's because we were talking about unfollowing a moment ago. I expect a lot of people have experienced this at one point or another. If you haven't yet, you will. I'm sorry to say it. You will experience some unsolicited advice at some point in your business journey. And for those that are unfamiliar with this phrase, it's when people try to give you feedback that you didn't ask for. It could be in regards to how you run your business. It could be in regards to running a creative business in general. It's basically unhelpful advice. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's people trying to help, but it's not helpful in the slightest a lot of the time. So I don't think we're going to go too much in detail about personal things people have said to us like specifically but there are some common themes I think so I'm interested to know Candice what are some common themes that have come up in regards to people giving you unsolicited advice I would say the more common things is product releasing so as a retail focused business there are going to be businesses out there that you feel like you're directly competing against that may have products that you don't have and others may go like oh i think you should start doing these things and Gemma and i also want to clarify that these advice is not necessarily all negative badly intentioned yes so something that i always say and that i'm sure some people have heard for is impact over intent their intentions could be to really help you out but without context of what you're doing nor did they ask you where you are your business and then saying these things to you with good intention it could have negative impact so not going into specifics like let say I was working on a big project I wanted to work on a store update or like a big release of something and then someone comes by and go like I think you should do this I think you should do that that's gonna kind of like if because I'm a type of person who takes a lot of advice all the time I do listen I will listen regardless I'm gonna listen it might derail me of my original plan which can add on additional stress If I'm thinking of releasing product A, B, and C, and someone goes like, why haven't you thought of D? Because another company's doing it and it does really well. Um, I think you should look into it. I think you should sell it because like another company does. I think it's going to be huge success. They're like hyping you up. They genuinely want your business to do well. But then you're sitting here going like, I feel like I'm going to bite off more than I can chew. And maybe I should also release product D. Even though if I'm overfilling my cup at this point, I'm going to push myself to do that. And then the quality of your initial products, A, B, and C, 
may not be at the level that you wanted it to because now you're spreading yourself very thin and that's something that's happened to me before like i lost sleep and oh yeah because i was just like this happened twice i was talking to my supplier and my supplier is from asia and she was like it's like 3 a.m and i'm like yeah but i i really want to just do this thing and she's like but this is kind of coming out of the blue like we can we can wait and i'm like no 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 no. i want to do it so i lost sleep because of it because i genuinely thought it would do very well and to be very honest that product right now is not selling as well as i thought it would pretty sure it's because i was not in the right mental state or like mental capacity to give 110 percent of each product and that's something that i really 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 wanted to do was to focus on releasing a product that i give 110 percent effort to but because i listened to someone's advice and i took it person not took it personally but like i took it hard and worked on it knowing that i was already almost burning out that kind of pushed me over the edge to the burnout zone but i still pushed through and release a product at the time being i thought it was 110 percent until it happened and then i'm like right this happened during the time that i was thinking of doing something else already i think something that i find tiring is justifying why you're not doing product day so that's something I've had. Um, I've had people suggest things and they're very well-intentioned, but I have already ruled them out. So then it's like, oh yeah, I considered that, but I'm already doing this. I want to focus on this. And it can get tiring to try justify where you're not doing something, particularly if your business is going through a quiet period and then you feel you feel defensive. I think that's a big part of receiving unsolicited advice is that you start to get defensive about your business. And I still do not like talking to people other than creative business owners about my business because I just feel like they're going to judge me. They're going to give me unsolicited advice. So I just try to avoid the conversation altogether. And that can be really challenging to work through. <laughs> it's really hard to get out of that habit. I don't know if you found that habit, Candice, whether you avoid talking about business with like friends and family. Even my boyfriend, who is who I'm closest to, I feel defensive, <laughs> which is really bad because I'd love to be able to talk with him about it and talk through, talk through what I plan to do. I keep feeling like I have to justify everything and it has to be successful to prove everyone wrong who said it wasn't going to work out and that's really tiring. <laughs> yeah, I. it's a little bit different from having a plan and really thinking through that plan and based on our past, like based on everyone's past, you've gone through experiences before, you have made mistakes and you've learned from them but the person that's giving you advice whether they're friends family or another business owner may not know that you've experienced that and have tried it out and when you tell them like when they say you should do this but you already have a plan written out and you're already like midway through that plan it can be quite annoying to try to explain to them and them you know not arguing with you but like really putting their idea onto you 
and pushing for it, I think that's the hard part. You don't want to seem, like you say, defensive, even though you feel defensive, but you also don't want to use energy to argue with them, which I think is really tiring. Like, if I've done plan A, B, and C before, and, like, they all had the same issue of something not working out, and someone mentioned it, it's like, I have tried. And they're like, no, but have you really tried? Yes, I have tried. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think this is why making business friends is so positive. It makes a huge impact to your life as a business owner to make friends with other business owners because they get it. And... You know, sometimes advice you receive isn't well-intentioned, I don't think, or is said without any tact at all. And that that stings the most. That is the hardest to work through. And to clarify, that's where my defensiveness comes from. Not people trying to give me advice about, oh, you should try this product or try this thing. It's people who have given me advice I say advice like with quotation marks because it's not advice, it's putting me down, putting my business down and it makes you defensive. And I know that not everyone experiences this, but for people who do experience this, I want you to know that you're not alone in dealing with crappy opinions. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think you that you will get better at with experience when you experience more and more people because the more you grow the more attention you're, you're gonna get it's just how it is um that's i mean technically what you want anyways but it doesn't mean all the attention that you get so publicity bad publicity good publicity is all just publicity eventually you will get those types of people who give you advice whether or not it is good or bad you growing as a person will require you to deal with those types of conversations and my tip for that is to kind of if you write out a plan and stick with it that's totally fine but don't always try to follow everyone's advice you really have to listen to it first of all because you need to listen to it in order for you to you know figure out if this is good for you or bad for you and review your plan with it see if it will work if you are entering unknown territory and you think it's gonna derail you off your plan or like kind of put you on a tangent of it then maybe put it aside and then revisit it you can always revisit something. It's never too late to do anything if it's a minor change. Any major changes, I definitely think you should not just do on your own, like as a whim. That's something that you're going to have to learn how to differentiate good advice, bad advice, neutral advice. Advice is still just going to be advice, right? But then like unsolicited advice is what you're trying to filter out. And that's just going to come with experience. And it also doesn't hurt to bring up that advice with another person. Get a second opinion on it. Like if you are really considering it. So like, let's say, Gemma, I think you should do plan A. And Gemma can go to another business owner. Hey, someone else suggested this. 
what do you think? It doesn't hurt to ask for a second opinion. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate for trust in your gut. I think we know what aligns with us, what aligns with our personality, what aligns with our future vision of our business. And, you know, we're the only ones that are fully 100% in our business that understand everything that's going on. Trust your gut is my advice. So this next topic that we are going to be talking about is the mindset that you may have when starting a business. And this is mostly related to how to start your business. For me, I have a retail store that I put up on Etsy. A lot of people will Google how to run a successful Etsy store, how to start off Etsy making a lot of money. And it is so common. Like I can guarantee you, if you look up right now, how to open up a successful Etsy store on YouTube, you're guaranteed to see a couple of videos that will say, I made $3,000 on my first week of Etsy. I made $2,000 in one month of opening up my Etsy. I watch those videos as well. And those videos are not to discourage you intentionally. And it's not to say that, you know, they didn't make $2,000 or $3,000. But something that I initially failed to do was look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that this person who is starting an Etsy store and saying that they made $2,000 on their first first week, I'm not talking about like, oh, I've had my Etsy store like a couple of years. I'm talking about when they first opened their Etsy store, they already had more than 100,000 followers on all platforms. They started their Etsy with a big following already. And I'm not saying that if you have a lot of followers, you're going to get a lot of Etsy sales. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that sometimes things like that will happen and it is good content for the content creator, right? Like why would you not click into a video that says I made $3,000 in a month or like a $3,000 in a week? But you also have to be a little bit more realistic. If you just started out, you just opened up your business on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, you're not going to get sometimes, sorry, you may not get to where they were at right when you open your Etsy store. I would say it's unlikely that you'll get to that point. Not to be a negative person. I know this episode is all about negativity. But realistically, that is very unlikely to happen unless you find your gold star of a product that happens to be promoted by Etsy at the right place at the right time. It's just unlikely to happen, I think. It's not to say that you won't have success on Etsy or your your store, wherever that is, over time. But for it to happen in a week, <laughs> probably not going to happen. And I have found myself watching those videos that you described, Candice. I don't even want to have a product-based business because I'm like, oh, how did they do that? And I find it really interesting to see. But... I'm, I'm not comparing myself to them. That's the difference. Whereas you as a product-based business owner are, and that's really challenging. 
Yeah, it's also very discouraging to new product-based businesses. Because I felt like, oh, I'm just going to do all the tips and tricks that they mentioned. Um, my product photos look the same as theirs. And then on launch day, it did nothing. And I felt like garbage. I, I genuinely felt like, oh, so is this based on luck? Is my, Maybe my skills are just not there. How come it's been a month and I still haven't made $3,000, let alone like a hundred when I first started out on Etsy. And there are a lot of people that experience that. Not everyone will experience that. Some people might open up an Etsy store and then it like blows up. Um, you hit the right algorithms. You do, you work really hard on launching it. I'm not saying that you didn't work hard, but it's just, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it doesn't. It's like going viral. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't assume that you would naturally go viral as someone who manages a social media account why would you assume the same would happen to your business on a platform like etsy it's super concentrated uh sorry saturated and you're gonna fall into that pit of watching like more than a handful of those etsy success stories and if you don't experience that you'll feel discouraged and that's what happened to me and i was extremely disappointed in the results i try i started losing money as well because people were also going like you need to put things up on ads and stuff and i did oh. i i also follow i followed the videos because they all basically said the same if it works for them it doesn't necessarily work for you that's what I have to say. I was in negatives constantly because I had run ads exactly the way that they set up on all the Etsy success stories. Didn't work. When I took down my ads and then started, you know, going on the Etsy forums where other small businesses that are around my stage that's when I started getting better at selling my stuff. Mm. It's the the really not real, but the the community that are active on Etsy, they are the ones that are super helpful. Yeah. They've been dealing with Etsy for years, essentially. Mm. If you were to listen to their advice, they already know what Etsy algorithms like. They are, are constantly changing. They have run the Etsy for a long time. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. I feel like that is better advice than someone who just said, I launched my Etsy for the first time in one month and I earned $6,000. Mm. You can too. It's a, you can with a lot of hard work, but don't forget that they already have a massive following and you're just starting out. If you are just starting out, be a little bit easier on yourself. Yeah, I find it interesting that you mentioned ads because something I have struggled with in terms of this kind of element where, you know, you have high expectations and then you're knocked back down to reality is seeing all these Facebook ads and Instagram ads. I made six figures in three months after quitting my job. And, you know, I quit my job last year to work for myself. So I thought 
you know, not that I would necessarily earn six figures, but that I could earn more (laughs) than I have done in the last year. But you mentioned ads and actually a lot of these people that have earned this amount have invested a lot of money into ads. Like they've been able to fund the ads to be able to, you know, what's the opposite opposite of organically grow? Unorganically? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. But but basically they have paid to grow their businesses, which isn't isn't a bad thing. They've done really well from it. They've made, been able to get to six figures, but they have had to invest a lot of money up front to be able to get to that point. And I, that's something you don't see <laughs> a lot of the time. And something else I struggled with as well is there's a couple of people in my industry that I really, really admire that have million pound businesses or earn a million pounds. I know it is possible to earn that much in my field and I believe that I'm somewhat intelligent. (laughs) I know I'm hardworking and driven so surely I will be able to get to a point where I can get close to that. Not necessarily in my first year but I would see a big amount of growth when I dedicated all my time to it and that has not happened. I am very happy in reflection of actually how much I have grown as a person. Uh, Sorry, in my business as well. But it's not what I expected at all. And occasionally that hurts my feelings, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to take yourself out of the context and really look at the bigger picture and say, okay, this result that I'm getting is slightly disappointing, yes, because I know that it is possible to blow up, but I also need to recognize, like not realize, like recognize, you need to be able to recognize context and the situation is different. Not only that, but something that I have recently learned is personal limitation. For example, if you have a physical limitation, a mental limitation, an emotional limitation. And these are not weaknesses. These are just limitations that like, you know, you know, the whole classic saying of when you're gambling, know your limits, play within it. Um, that Not that I'm a gambler, that, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I see that a lot. You sh- should not push yourself out of your personal limitations. There's something different. There is a major difference between going out of your comfort zone and going out of your limits. Yeah. That's going out point. of your comfort zone means you are testing something out. You're experiencing something new. Going out of your limit is you know that like you physically cannot do something, but yeah. you're going to give it a go anyways. And then you get, you know, slapped for it, essentially. And then you feel like garbage. A clear example of that is if you go to the gym... And you go like, I want to try for a marathon, right? You're going out of your comfort zone, right? You've tested it out and it doesn't work. And then you go sign up for it anyways. That, <laughs> And then, you know, your body's like, no, I'm not going to let you. And then something bad happens to you. Two things that happen. One, you went out of your comfort zone, which is totally fine. 
but you learned your limit and you went out of it anyways. Yeah. For me, my personal limitation is my energy level. I know that I may burn out if I work over 40 hours in a week. Right now, it's actually even lower than that because of just like, you know, mental states are different. Right now, I know I'm only capable of working 20 to 30 hours, working hours. And if I push over that, I'm going to burn out and I'm not going to do so hot in like two weeks. I'm going to burn out. I know it. Yeah. So that's why it's really important for you to go, right, I'm going to learn my limits. I'm going to work within that limit. Someone's work limit may be different from mine. Maybe that's why they can achieve more than I can in the same amount of time. If someone is physically in a healthy way, mind you, able to work 40 plus hours a week on their business, they are going to be at a different point if even if both of you started at the same time when you can only work 30. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. I, it makes me think of, not to go too off subject, but my boyfriend and his family seem to be very energetic people. They have the stamina to just keep doing stuff all day. Whereas I get very physically tired very quickly. <laughs> And his parents were very kind and they helped us to redo our garden last year. And they just kept going like eight hours straight. They were still going. And I was like, please let me stop. <laughs> not, not that they were telling me, Gemma, get back to work right now. But you feel this pressure that they're still going. I need to keep going, even though I was very physically exhausted. And, you know, I suffered from like aches and pains for like the week after because I just I'm not used to physically doing that much and I guess it's similar to business in the sense that you know the amount of hours you work like it is mentally draining working on a business you're using a lot of brain power to think of everything so don't push yourself too hard and we will have an episode dedicated to burnout as well because it's something we, we've both experienced and it's not fun. <laughs> so we'd like to help you avoid that in the future. But yeah, I find it really interesting that you've brought that up, that actually some people just have more energy to keep working on their business kind of for many, many, many hours. But do you even want to work on a business where you're working 60 hours a week? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I definitely do not want to do that. You're right. Some people might want to work on their business 60 hours plus. Um, and that might work for them. But it, yeah, that's that's just who they are and that's how they can function. And it's important for you to, you know, figure out where you are on that scale. Are you on the lower number of hours or are you on the higher number of hours? You don't need to try to achieve the higher number of hours because if you like let's say oh i want to work 60 hours a week how much of that how many of those hours are you actually productive because for example you know the whole you know, diamonds are made under pressure that's what i i feel like i am sometimes if i <laughs> if i work two hours for example i know i can get four tasks done roughly if you make me, or if I schedule myself to work eight hours to try to get four, ta to try to get six tasks done, but I like, you know, my productivity dies after two hours, I'm not going to get that six tasks. And, and I'm just going to feel like garbage afterwards because I'm like, oh man, I planned 
to get six tasks done but then I got tired after two hours even knowing that I will get tired after two hours so I just spent six hours sitting in my front of my computer lollygagging and then the next day I'll be like oh I worked eight hours but I didn't really work eight hours you know what I mean and then every single day going through that it'll do something to you and it's not a good thing yeah and then but you're still comparing or we're still comparing ourselves to people that have worked excessive amount of hours i'm not saying that everyone that's successful has worked ridiculous hours but it could be one of the reasons as well you have to be smart with the time that you are given and you have to be smart with the time that you give yourself for example i know i can function off relatively function off of five to six hours of sleep william on the other hand definitely needs like eight eight to ten hours minimum yeah yeah exactly and so like you already know what your time limits are and that's you know, something that you can't change. You can't just go like, I want a new body and I want a new brain. Like, I, yeah. no. That- <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's why figure out what your limits are. If you want to start off your Squarespace, if you want to start off your Shopify, your Etsy, e-commerce, or just a physical retail store, like going to craft markets and stuff like that for the, you know, product creatives out there, figure out your hours first. Yeah. That's, while someone yeah. yeah, while someone works eight, you might only be able to work six and yeah. don't force yourself. That's a great point as well. It's made me think about people who are working full time jobs and then expecting similar results. It's just not going to happen. I worked for my business probably for a year or two whilst I was in full time work. And you know, I worked weekends and I worked evenings and I worked lunch times and I f- found myself getting really, really tired and really irritable <laughs> because I had no time to decompress whatsoever. But I might be getting sidetracked too much into burnout again. But yeah, if you have a full-time job, don't expect full-time business results. Like, be kind to yourself. Don't have unrealistic expectations that you're going to have the same results as someone who puts way more hours into their business. When you're first starting out your business, it's very obvious and very common for people to think, I want a a very quick result and I want big results. Again, you need to be a little bit more realistic. Look at your plan. Look at how many hours you can give yourself. You never know if another person has more hours than you. That's why maybe they're more successful, etc. Budget. Know what your budget is and work within that budget. Other people might have a higher budget than you. Maybe that's why they can generate more sales in terms of like just getting more resources compared to you. So that's why you need to be very careful with the advice that you get online. Well, I mean, yeah, right now we're giving you advice, but I'm just being real here. Don't forget context if someone has a ten thousand dollar budget to work on you might not have that you might have like a five thousand or two thousand and just work within that i mean they could hire they could hire a whole person like for that amount yeah yeah exactly don't put too much pressure on yourself and if you want quick big success you should first write out smaller successes that will make you happy Because that's the only thing that's going to help you 
keep going forward. For example, one of my big successes that I can say now is when I first started out my Etsy is literally opening the Etsy because that's a lot of work. Like if you just opened up an Etsy, pat yourself on the back for it. You don't even have to have a sale, but like putting up an Etsy on its own already is like at least 10 hours of work. That's a lot of work. Pat yourself on the back for that. Can I, because that's made me think I actually... So you may hear me typing in the background there. I did a post on my creative biz success account about this because I wanted people to recognize some of the smaller wins that you don't necessarily recognize as wins. So back in 2018, the, I would say I had four wins. So the first win is that I persisted in actually learning calligraphy. Like if I'd have got frustrated and given up, then, you know, (laughs) what was, there was no win there. Like I wouldn't have been able to set up my business now. So actually learning a skill in itself is like a massive win. I made an Instagram account and shared my calligraphy. That's a big win in itself as well. You know, sharing your work with other people. Um, I started a blog and then I created calligraphy in front of other people. So these, these are not making millions of pounds like these are not wins saying I earn six figures but these are still wins that help me to grow my business to where it is today and I think yeah you need to celebrate every win at every stage of your business to to stay motivated (laughs) that's the most important part is in order to keep yourself going you have to encourage yourself to go and you have to let yourself know revenue isn't the only way to motivate you it shouldn't be the only way at least because you're just not going to be a functioning person if you're having a a downslope at any yeah. point in your business i so my boyfriend callum actually asked me a really interesting question a few days ago because i was feeling a bit down in my business like it's been very quiet it's just that time of year and you know cost of living and things and he asked me He said, Gemma, would you want to be a full-time calligrapher if you're on minimum wage for the rest of your life? And I instantly say, yeah, (laughs) like I would. Like for me, I would much rather do something I love, even if it meant that I, you know, was on minimum wage. That sounds bad. Like even if I was on minimum wage, (laughs) that is not what I mean. What I mean is I would be happy with minimum income if it meant I could do something I love and I think I lose sight of that sometimes when I'm in my business thinking oh how much can I earn I want to be rich when actually I would or should be happy with just being able to do this you know I I spent you know I I quit my full-time job like I'm able to work on my business so much more now And I need to be grateful for that. I think I need to recognize that more than I do. Yeah, you need to recognize why you're starting a business and build from there. Because if you have no direction of your business and the only thing that you want is success and and the only way to calculate that is by the revenue you generate, you're gonna feel lost at a lot of points including the very first point which is you know how to start your business 
Yeah. And I think the one point I would like to make before we wrap up today is to do your best to make friends. I know that making friends isn't easy in real life. It's actually easier when you're in a business community or a creative community because you have stuff in common. Try your best to make friends, even if you join Facebook groups and start, you know, commenting with people in there more regularly. So you feel that you have that sense of community because that is really, really important to help you deal with the negativity that crops up. It kind of balances it out. For me, having friends that I could talk to and moan about bad stuff with really, really helped. Um, My last advice would be for overall this whole imposter syndrome and solicited advice and you know the mindset that you may have at the very beginning of starting your business is that to take things a little bit slower than you anticipate because if you try to work things through and just like brute force this um you're gonna run into a lot of mistakes and you're gonna run into a lot of self-confusion if you take it slow plan things out that is where you're going to get most of your I guess business strategy down and don't forget to also be nicer to yourself because this is something this may be something new that you're experiencing and no one expects you to be like at your A game super professional super successful right when you start something right like you don't see a child that's like two days old that can speak fluent fluently that's impossible so you're just gonna have to you know be a little bit easier on yourself yeah cool well that wraps up today's episode i hope you found it helpful rather than depressing (laughs) that is not our intention at all we just want to kind of cover some of these things because i think A lot of social media is about the positive sides of business and, you know, even vlogs that are meant to be behind the scenes in real life. A lot of the time they still cover only the positive sides. They don't cover the actual negative feelings that they are feeling at the time. And we just want people to know that they're not alone in this. Yeah, so that wraps up today's episode. Don't forget to mark your calendars so that you don't miss the next episode or even better I think on certain podcast platforms you can follow or subscribe whatever that thing is on the platform you're listening on so that you get notified when another episode comes out don't forget to follow us on social media as well because I'll be posting to there about episodes coming out because we are doing them every two weeks not weekly and we don't want you to miss out on future content and I think the last thing is to give us a review (laughs) if you've liked this episode if you've gained some wisdom from it if it's made you feel less alone please give us a review we're a brand new podcast so that would be really appreciated and thank you for listening bye thank you everyone